Welcome to Saab, the Scope Unmuzzled podcast, episode 6. This time around, we have another Canadian guest on our table, which is a very technical person, a very technical friend of mine, who we will be discussing some technical topics. But before we do that, we first have a little introduction of our guest. We'll talk about NFTs, crypto, chat, GPT, stable diffusion, and lastly, we'll be hating on some Windows updates. Always fun. So if any of these topics are interesting to you, then please stick around as we tune in to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This time we have another Canadian friend on our table. Not like the last one, which was very drunk. I hope this one's not. No, I don't think this one's drunk. Well, we'll have to ask. Not usually. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Spoiler. So this person is... Uh, a very technical friend of mine who likes to talk about engineering, some latest technology things, Canada and how it shit. But enough about me explaining the guest. Let I'll let the guest explain himself. So, guest, please explain yourself. Who are you? Hi. Well, I'm missing though. Uh, that's my real name. It's on my legal documents. That's I do uh, a lot of study in computer stuff, like everything related to computers stuff. Is that, is that um, your major? Everything computer? More or less, yeah. My, my, I mean, technically my major is computer engineering technology, but that's just everything computers, like every computer course that they teach. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much what I do exclusively. Okay, so what is your age? Where are you from more specifically? I'm, I'm just about like almost 25, actually, from... Damn, you're getting old, man. I know, right? Welcome to the old people club. Yeah, we are the boomers. Uh, uh, what's what's the name for like a quarter? It's not quad. That's four. Whatever. Quarter Centennials Club. Yeah. So I live I live in the uh, you know the only populated part of Canada. So Toronto, the South. Yeah, right next to the lake. It's everyone and the grandmother. <laughs> Unless you live in Quebec, but we don't talk about the Quebecois. Yeah, we don't talk about the French part. French, quote-unquote, Canada. It's kind of like Europe, how in Europe we, well, most people have a uh, spies of the French, and in Canada it's the same. So, yeah. Could you tell a bit more about how we met Missing, if you remember? Do I remember? Ooh, that's, that's a bit, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I remember it was in VR chat. It was on the near, off top of the, flowers world little hidden cave if i remember correctly i joined off of jimmy Mm -hmm. yeah it was i I joined off jimmy and uh you and nama and a couple others were there i don't know we just hung around and did stupid stuff and then uh added each other based off of that and then that and then that was it and then we just i just kept joining and then fun times were had and that that's history yeah pretty much were you actually talking during that period? Because I do know that you like to be a mute at some <laughs> sometimes. Know, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Whenever I just want to vibe, don't want to interact, just observe, you know, and then I'll just hit the mute button, turn off the HUD, full immersion. Uh, I I think I was mute that uh, that time. Yeah. So in that but, case, you were just listening, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's pretty pretty cool to hang around with." Yeah, it was it was Nama and somebody else with like the bird avatars, and I thought that was really funny. Oh yeah, oh fuck, I remember that. Damn, no, I don't think that's someone that I know, but I do remember that uh, those two birds people like going synchro, 
flapping their birds. Yeah. Like uh, I'd have to look for it because I think I took a picture of it, but that's buried. Buried deep in the archives. Yeah. Oh, interesting. The archives of my photos folder. Well, it's actually fun. Um, it's one of the topics um, which some people might not know what I mean when I say a mute. And I think you are kind of a, a mute connoisseur because you are on, I guess you're on both ends of the spectrum where you are a mute yeah, yourself. Yeah, it's, it's and, what, the, what, what they call a semi-mute. Oh, or not like or hybrid? It's not, well, I guess. There's, there's a million different terms for it. Semi-mute, selective mute, hybrid mute, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all vaguely the same thing. It's like trying to classify music genres. You know, what the hell's the difference between liquid funk and liquid DNB? Well, not much. But for the people who care, the terminology's out there. Well, so how would you explain a mute to like your uh, grandma? The example, your grandma's listening to this. Probably not. Well, you, you could, you know, you could link this to your grandma. It's like, look, ma, <laughs> I made it now. I'm famous. I, I don't think she would know where to find the play button, but you know. Okay. Well, ima- imagine she can find it. You show it to her when you when you're over. I don't know, but you try and explain um, this to your grandmother. What is a mute? I mean, it's it's pretty simple, but kind of uh, to put it simply, it's just someone who doesn't talk. You know, they have one reason or another. They they just don't care about interacting. They have social anxiety. You know, they they have a broken microphone. Um, a uh, one person I met actually a few years back, they had some type of, I think their voice box was badly formed when they were born. So they couldn't talk very well. So they just didn't talk. They used text to speech all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and we got together this big, huge friends group. You know, just using text to speech was very interesting. Eventually, they did get surgery. You know, they got together. Their parents got together a bunch of money or something. They paid for surgery and 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 uh, therapy, and they fixed their vocal cords. And one day, they walked up to me and they were like, "Hello, it's been a long time." I'm like, "Oh my god, you can speak now!" Jesus Crazy, Christ, man, that's insane. I actually know a um, beginning when I started VRChat, there was a mute, like a mute streamer that I knew. And apparently she had some, it was not a voice box thing, I think. It was her, some wiring in her brain, which didn't allow her to speak or whatever. So that that's why she was mute. Allegedly, of course, because I don't, I don't, I don't fucking know. We also know Rhea, who has like some sort of like paralysis in the, in the vocal cords. So she's not fully mute, but she doesn't speak much because of it. Yeah. So there's like medical reasons for someone to be a, a mute. There are basically people that are not confident with their own voice or talking with people or their social skills via, you know, talking because it's kind of difficult. We're doing it right now, but a lot of people can do it, at least not confidently. Yeah. Some people, some people who don't like go out as much, you know, say they have like overproductive parents or they're, they get too worried about like going out and interacting with people then they don't have any experience with that and then they'll go on vr chat and be like well i don't know how to do that so i just won't and then they meet the microphone mm-hmm. it's actually something i explained in um i think i talked about it in my in the last episode episode five where before i was talking with other people online via like TeamSpeak, i would just use the text on TeamSpeak because uh, again i was f- like 14 or something I had a shitty laptop mic and I was not very confident in my pronunciation of English because, you know, it's my second language, not my first language. Mm-hmm. And because of those reasons, and, you know, I sound like a kid and I know that kids sound annoying even when I was a kid. So I'm like, ah, okay, maybe not the best idea to start out talking with these people, maybe get to know them a bit better before I uh, 
I introduced myself. So for those people, I actually did uh, at some point when they asked about it, I was like, no, bro, just just, just use a microphone. It's fine. Yeah, it should call it. Or it's like a lot of noise because it was a gaming laptop. Uh, I think you have some experience with that. So a little bit. Eventually, I, I did open up and started talking English, and it actually helped my um, experience, like talking the language very much so that I became more confident about it. And then I just started using voice like all the time. That's what I, that's what I hear a lot about, uh, or sorry, from people who use VR chat, you know, they start out as a mute, completely mute. They refuse to talk to anybody. And then as they get more comfortable around certain friend groups, then they open up, they start talking to them. And then as they're comfortable in those friend groups, then they open up even more and just start talking to random people. Like this is a very common thing. I mean, like, so if you go to a public with your friends, so at least your friends are there, then you feel more confident to, to talk. Yeah, because, you know, you can just talk to your friends if you don't feel confident talking to random people. Mm-hmm, exactly. You have, a, you have a safety net, like a fallback. Yeah, I have um, one of the first friends I made in the game, in VRChat, is actually, um, well, this is a girl I didn't know, but she was a mute for a really long time. And then eventually she started talking and... Part of the reason was because of like the family being in the same room or something. And then it's kind of awkward to be talking to uh, online people. It's like talking on the phone. Well, people don't know you're talking on the phone. It's that kind of stuff. But eventually, yeah, same thing happened where she became a selective mute, where she would talk if I was there or like my friends were there, people that she knew. But in like publics, then she wouldn't talk. Eventually, she would talk with publics when we were there. And then eventually just you know open up more where she i think she just talks to anyone now also she got older because when when i got to know her she was like like 14 or something that kind of just seems like a natural progression you start off shy and unconfident then you work up build up your your skills until you yeah some people do anyway some people stay dedicated to being a mute you know they they make it a pillar of their personality or if they're a streamer you know they make it part of their bit yeah, I think it's just natural human progression. Although there are, of course, I'm thinking about like, are there people back in my youth that were like very confident? Like, yes. Like even in elementary school, there were people that were like very loud all the time, like annoying, I guess. <laughs> but those people you probably will not find in, in games like this. No, I find them all the time. You just have to go to, you have to subject yourself to the Not back cat. then, I mean. <laughs> back then, like being a nerd, being on the computer, talking with people online. That's not something uh, yeah. that those people would do. But yeah, nowadays it's more common, of course. Okay, uh, so it's about mutes. And you are partially a mute yourself. And your name is Missing No. But I don't think... Well, I, I know what the origin is of this name. But the audience will probably not. Could you explain a bit more? Some of them, might, I don't know. There might be a couple Pokemon fans listening. But yeah, it's, it's a reference to very old... Well, yeah, this is a very old glitch in the very first Pokemon game. Uh, where if you... It's blue and red, right? Yeah. If you broke the game and tried to summon a Pokemon that did not exist, uh, it wouldn't crash. It would just pull garbage data from the ROM and display it on the screen. It's right there. And as a kid, I found out about that and I thought, that's interesting. You know, like, what what the hell causes that? I think that sparked your curiosity as a kid. Yeah. And as a kid, you know, you don't know about instruction pointers and program registers or any of that you know you just know video game you push buttons and funny colors show up on your screen mm-hmm. so when the game doesn't well, no work wait, 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 hold on no no colors showed up 
this is Pokemon. Yeah, this is the first Pokemon. Sorry. Yeah, Pokemon Red, Pokemon um, Blue. It's uh, black and white. But the the funny pixels turn turn black or white or gray. But yeah, when when your only knowledge of of games is you know your childlike imagination, you know, and something crazy like that happens, you're like, well, what what what's what is that? What's going on? So it really piqued my interest. So I looked into it and spent a very healthy amount of time. large part of my yeah very okay. healthy amount of time um a good chunk of my childhood looking into more of that you know that might be part of what sparked me looking more into like the low level stuff in computers because now 20 something years later i'm still looking into how this shit works because now i understand all of the low level hardware stuff that goes on inside of a game boy so it's like can actually look into it oh that's cool you know but right so but but the name (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it fascinated me so much that i decided that i was going to take that as my moniker because i went by a bunch of very embarrassing very stupid kid names um let's hear well try not to dox yourself because when i was a kid i used my own name (laughs) there was one it's it's actually still on my youtube channel is named Woo Mama One with like five O's or something. Um, Woo Mama. I, 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 yeah, I when they gave me the option to change it, I was like, yes, yes, change Please. it to Mystic No Real. Um, I've had uh, <laughs> when I was like five, I made a I made a Newgrounds account called like Mega LOL Potage. Very, very wow. You know, uh, very um, time correct. You know. Yep, that's that was just normal for the times. You know. Um, you look back on it and you get a good chuckle out of it. But yeah, I, I just settled on one thing. I was like, you know what? I like this missing no thing so much. I'm going to name myself after it. But the name was taken everywhere. Oh, yep, <laughs> So yep, I'm, yep. I'm like, I'm not putting any more thought into this. So I just type one, two, three, enter, done. It's kind of like my, my 10. It's just like, oh, fuck, <laughs> scope's already taken. I need something. I'll oh, just add the numbers. Yeah, just one, two, three, whatever. Yeah. Nobody else does one, two, three, except for uh, somebody on Steam, uh, somebody on Reddit. Uh, somebody on Spotify. I think that's it. Yeah. So what do you do there? You add a four. Add a four. Four original. was taken on Steam, by the way. So I had to add a five. Can't you change your name to anything on Steam though, because of IDs underneath or something? E- yes, I think the the username, like the raw username itself, is is missing now all the way up to five. But the oh, yeah, display, display name. name. Yeah. And and the display username, whatever. There's there's like three of them, and two of them I know are set to missing the two three. Hmm. I knew about the the missing. I didn't didn't know about the one two three. I'm like, was that in the game? No, that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, if it's already oh, taken. Well, in the game, in the game, it was number zero, and I have seen a missing no zero 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 before because somebody mistook me for that guy, and they were like, oh, I thought you were my friend, and they invited him over, and we met, and we talked, and we were like, aha, that's that's pretty funny. Wait, how did they mistake that person for you? Is it because they were mute as well? No, because uh, he just saw missing no and three numbers. And, oh, he, thought, okay, yeah, and he, he just walks up and starts talking to me. And I'm like, who are you? He's like, oh, wait, I thought you were my friend. It's interesting interaction. It's like that one time I went to a, what was it? I think it was just a random public world. Yeah, it was a, um, one of those rooftop worlds. I went there in a the public because I think there was a lot of people online. I was like, okay, whatever. I'll see if there's uh, cool people here. I'll just or wait for other people to join me. I went in there and then I saw a guy with the name Scope, but he had like the 
O as a zero, I think, uh, and some underscore or whatever. But it looks very similar. And like immediately when you see that person, like the same thing that happened with you, immediately it's like, hey, same name, hey, same name, let's go. <laughs> immediately you become friends online. It's like, oh, you have the same kind of thought process. And he showed me around like uh, the world he made. That's uh, fun. It's, I still have him in my friends list. I've seen him a couple times. Oh, neat. I forgot to add the Basudo guy. Man. I don't know if he still plays. You can add them through uh, the website, right? True. Time to reignite. <laughs> reignite a long lost friendship between two star-crossed uh, VR chat players. Two Pokemon fanatics, probably. What if, the, what if he actually doesn't know where it's from? And he's like, he just heard it online somewhere. That would be hilarious. I'd be disappointed. I'd be like, you're not <laughs> worthy of the name. Please. Yeah, fake fan. Use fake Woo fan. Mama 123 instead. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting. All right, so that's your name, or at least the origin of your name. But do you actually have a special thing that you are known for as a person? Like, this is if if I would ask, not your grandma again. <laughs> I'll ask your mom. No, I'll ask your your dearest online friends or real life friends. I guess. What what is this person known for? What would they answer? I guess it. I guess it depends on who you ask, because you know, there's there's been uh, this one stupid little avatar that I made that I guess was like really highly customizable. Uh, oh yeah, you have so, to tell that. So, yeah, people. So so yeah, I made a funny little avatar with the with the Canada flag on the hoodie. You know, styled it after Canada for Canada Day, uh, and I published it. And someone, I guess, really liked the idea, so they ripped the avatar and put like every European flag on it. And then posted it as an avatar, and that has been spreading on VR chat for like three years now. I thought it, I thought it was, you know, small, whatever. Um, and then every time I go into the pug, I'll see one every like thirty minutes. It's crazy. Damn, spreading um, like wildfire, spreading like a plague, like a virus, like yeah. little rats running throughout VR chat. It's nationalism taking over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. It, it drives it drives traffic to my Discord where people will join. And then leave, and then that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> they say, um, hey, cool avatar, goodbye. Yeah, they just join, click download, and leave, but whatever. Should make it into like an official, was it Yukon, I guess, the avatar name? A Yukon language, Yukon country server, where people make that's, just a bunch of more, more avatars. That's, that's, that's more or less what it's used for. Like, there's a VR chat channel in that Discord that I just send people to. They'll, they'll post their, uh, the most recent one was uh, Zimbabwe. The guy who created it posted it out there, and then a couple, like a month later, he's like, "Oh, I just found someone wearing it." He sent a screenshot. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you could take it a step further. Instead of countries, you could have like provinces, because provinces have like their own flags as well. Oh yeah, I've seen someone do Iowa. Yeah, exactly. Somebody, uh, the other scope, hard scope, even did uh, every NFL flag, uh, not flag, uh, every NFL emblem, every single one of them ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in a world. Is that how you met? him through your avatar creation oh yeah so the uh it's a weird story the guy who ripped i guess it's somewhat related because hardscope is also someone with scope in the name well because uh, the avatar the can the canadian version they got ripped and then retextured and posted everywhere uh and then one guy who was friends with him you know he, he contacted me on discord and we start talking about whatever you know setting up a usa version and this and that and then i find out he starts he started selling them for like five dollars or whatever. 
uh, which was interesting. I told him like he can make textures and sell them because that's his own work. You know, the model itself should be free. Um, but he's been like selling them. Uh, so one day I get a DM from this uh, kind fellow named Hardscope, and he says, "Hey, uh, this guy's trying to sell your models. Is that is that like okay?" And I'm like, "No, the model's free. You can just go to my Discord and download it. You don't even need to go to the Discord. You just need the link." He's like, oh, that's interesting. So it's like, you know, he joins the Discord and we talk and, you know, add each other in VR chat and talk and whatever. That's that's how I met Hardscope. Wait, so how did he DM you? Because he was in the server? Um, oh, shoot. I'd, I'd take a little small little detour to, like, look this up. Well, you bring an interesting topic because basically, and this is a fucking great segue into the next one. <laughs> So this one guy was selling the thing that's actually just free. You could just download it and use mm-hmm. it. And he's just selling it for money. That kind of reminds me of this concept called NFTs. I- I'm sure you're familiar <laughs> with it. Um, I might have heard of them a few times. Yeah, so this is actually pretty much the same thing. Well, maybe you have a, a better explanation on uh, on these uh, NFTs. Um nfts hmm. well well yeah it, it costs a little bit of ethereum to actually mint an nft and ethereum costs money unless you want to sit there and mine it for like uh, months which costs electricity which costs money um wait wait you want but, to go back a bit first what is an nft what's this ethereum you're talking so, about so so there's <laughs> some this... funny monopoly money yeah, honestly, there's this fancy new concept that some guy who may or may not have been named Satoshi, because nobody actually knows, who invented this thing called the blockchain. I don't think he even invented it, but whatever. He invented this thing called Bitcoin, and it runs on this thing called the blockchain. Uh, what is the blockchain, you ask? Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, basically, <laughs> exactly. it's a it's digital currency. And if you're at, if you're wondering, you know, that makes no sense. Congratulations, you've caught on. But the idea Wait, was that you can. But if I go to the bank, it. I can put money in this machine, and then it shows up on my bank balance. <laughs> Isn't that digital currency as well? I can go to the I, Amazon and pay for this couch I've been looking at for like three weeks, and just well, uh, you know buy it. Don't 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 let the banks know that you're talking about. It. Anyways, um, okay. I think I think they do some kind of like they tie it back to the actual physical cash that you put in the bank to a degree because you know they can loan more money there is no gold behind our money missing (laughs) yeah not anymore not not since like the last 400 years yeah there's this they they invented this weird thing called the blockchain where like uh, a bunch of computers all plug into the internet and they just collectively agree that like say joe sends jill five bitcoin then every computer has to like agree on that and then the majority of those who agree will then say like, okay, Joe sends Jill five Bitcoin and then that's it. And that's written to every fucking computer in the network, um, which there are hundreds of thousands of. So this, this is cool, whatever. You have a way to like not really verify sending bits of data between people and treating them as money. What else can you do with this? Oh, what if you were to like print a token that says, I own this image. And then, and then just like put it on the blockchain and then have it because it's on the blockchain. It's it's on every computer on the blockchain that now says, you know, this person owns this image. Okay, that's an interesting concept. Wait, so it's like copyright. That's that's the thing, right? It's just a bit of data, you know, a little token, a little, little just random bits and bytes. There's ones and zeros on a server. 
that by themselves don't actually mean anything. And it is implied, you know, you, people have just collectively agreed that, oh, if these bits and bytes are in the blockchain, that means that I own this image. It's completely arbitrarily decided by the people who buy and sell NFTs. Copyright doesn't acknowledge it. Most sane people don't acknowledge it. Well, uh, copyright is also just a either like a written document or a contract, but I guess copyright is backed by legal consequences. That's the difference, yeah. is that people abide by copyright. People agree to copyright. Nobody agreed to NFTs. Well, a few people did, but that's in like the hundreds of thousands, and there's like 8 billion people on the planet right now. I don't know. The, the funniest part is that NFTs and non-fungible token and maybe like five years after they were introduced somebody figured out how to funge them whatever the hell funging means yeah it's, it's supposed to be a i was unique, about to say like what the fuck does funging mean then? yeah it's supposed to be a unique token uh that only one person can own and both of those things were proven incorrect that you can make more than one token and uh you can fake ownership of a token that you don't own so that all falls out the window. Wait, so this person has not heard about the, the control and C button on the keyboard? <laughs> so yeah, this is, this is a big fiasco. But like, the important, the most important thing, you know, all the technical stuff, whatever, blah, blah. The, the important part is that people started like, like wholeheartedly believing in it because... Well, that's a thing. A few very clever, a few very clever individuals realized it doesn't matter if the technology doesn't work or falls apart or has flaws. As long as we can convince people that it does, then we can get them to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for these imaginary digital tokens. And they did. To backtrack a bit, so this if you look at real money, the reason money has a certain value is because it's backed by the government. Like the government says, like, okay, this this piece of paper or this thing is worth this much. We, we decide on that, or I guess the market decides on that. But it's not just an arbitrary value because if someone sells an NFT, they could be like, okay, this image, I'm going to sell this image. This is a million dollars. Like it's, it's, I, I decided this. Like there's no market value on that because someone has to make the thing. And then, yeah, there might be some initial uh, costs involved to make the thing or whatever. But the it, it's like art, which well, there's, is... There's which, which, there's some initial cost in like putting a yeah it's, it's it's like a fine art specifically art fine art is is used in a very similar i've i've heard this comparison before too um the way nfts are traded and the way fine art is traded you basically just put it at an arbitrary value uh you make up mm -hmm. a lot of bullshit to hype it up uh to get people interested in it and they pay you like multiple millions of dollars behind the scenes you know in some like shady uh not a shack but like you know you go in private you're like okay i'll auction i'll auction this what i'll auction this one off for 1.5 million euros and just and, for you my friend and somebody buys it and then you take that 1.5 million euros that you earned and you go buy another piece and you sell that one for even higher and all that money gets passed around and all of that money you do not pay taxes on because you simply just don't tell the government that you did that uh, it's a black and, market and there you go so for a while, uh, you could do trades with Ethereum. I forgot to mention, yeah, Ethereum is one of those other Bitcoins, you know, but it's different. This one's different. It's the funny money, the coins, digital coins. It doesn't matter how, but it's, it's, yeah, pretend digital money. So yeah, people were doing the same with Ethereum. And for a very long time, you could just withdraw 
Ethereum, you so you could trade it for like US dollar, mm-hmm. uh, and then just tuck it away and not pay taxes on it. Uh, and the IRS was very not happy about that. They crack down pretty quickly. I think if you make an NFT trade that's over fifteen thousand or something, then you've got to pay like ridiculous income taxes on it. Well, then people but, are just going to do transactions slightly below that to circumvent the system. I guess, but Again, but people were doing like multiple multi million dollar transactions on yeah. the blockchain using NFTs, and you, so so basically, you know, all all that past how many minutes talk of, the long and short of it. If you want to know what NFTs are, it's a mildly interesting technology that's been used to reinvent Ponzi scams and pyramid schemes and black markets <laughs> and, and black markets. Yeah, yeah. it's you, you basically just create this you know, like the McDonald's McRib. Uh, they sold that as an NFT, which was literally just an MP4 of a McRib on McDonald's servers. And the NFT just had like a link to that. MP. it was like HTTP colon slash a literal link. And that was what you were buying. What's in the video? What's in that MP4? It's it's just a McRib. <laughs> it's just a golden. I think it was golden. It was literally just a video of a 3D McRib, like rotating a little bit. Oh, um, I can make one of those. Literally, uh, but since they minted it to the blockchain, it's worth a lot more money. So they say. So you could enter to win it, and then you know sell it for Ethereum, and I don't know, but. It, it was just a link, you know, the, the Beeple NFT, that one sold for like multi-millions of dollars and it just looks like generic 3D art, mm-hmm. but it's cool and it's new. It's, it's all, it's all just, scab. I've heard the greater fool theory get thrown around a lot. You, you know, you, as long as there's someone dumber than you who will fall for it, they'll just like fall for your scam. Oh well, yeah, that's what a pyramid scheme is, right? Like someone has to believe yeah. whatever you're saying is true. Like I've had my brother, I think, be in some of these things where you you buy a product from websites. Like, oh, it'll give you it's like some drink from a plant or whatever. And this will help your digestive system and make yourself very healthy. And if you <laughs> sell it to someone else, you get a big discount. So basically, he's just trying to sell it. Basically free advertising. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it's like going the rounds. It's like, oh my God, why fall for this shit? To go back to the, the art thing, there's actually, um, that's like a real market that's being exploited just to avoid tax and uh, to launder money, basically. And yeah. what people would do is, let's say you have a pen. It's like, this is a very, this, is a, this pen cost me like a dollar. And I'm going to go and hire a guy who is known for valuing pens like he knows the the market he knows what pens are worth and what makes them special whatever kind of you know like art you hire this person and he says okay this pen is like one worth one dollar it's like hey this is only one dollar but you want to make some more money i was like yeah do tell it's like okay what if i give you some more money and we can both earn money you just value this pen at like fifty dollars and he's like, okay, this sounds like a good plan. So this guy values the pen at $50. And then you go to like a pen, not a mu- yeah, I guess a museum. Let's, let's say a pen museum. I don't know if I, that probably exists. Who knows? You go there and it's like, okay, I've uh, verified this uh, worth, the worth of this pen by this very prestigious person. And uh, he says it's worth uh, $50. I will uh, sell to you for um, uh, 55 
And then the museum is like, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds like a good deal. And then the museum buys it up and the museum then sells it again and then makes, you know, more profit on selling it to some other person. It's like, that's a nice looking pen. I want that pen. It's like, okay, I'll sell it to you for a hundred. And, you know, it just keeps fucking going on <laughs> this arbitrary value that gets put on this item, which the initial value was only a dollar. And you can bribe people to make other people think that it's worth more, like hyping it up, like you said, with NFTs. And in the art world, the art world there are people like that where they value these kind of things because it's like, oh, emotional or like it's very old or it's used by the ancient Greeks yeah, during yeah, the war. Yeah, yeah, you make up some story and, about it. Yeah, yeah. That's the interesting thing, though. Uh, like NFT scams, NFT-related scams are not new at all. It's, they just found a new medium to repurpose an old technique. You don't have to say NFT scams because NFT and scams are basically the same thing. Or at least I <laughs> I have yet to find a legitimate use case for these things. I've seen like games try and use NFTs as a way to sell more unique items in, in, to make money, basically. NFTs in like the public connotation, what we know them as, yeah, it's a scam. The actual technology behind it is pretty interesting. You know, there are a few use cases uh, it's definitely hampered by the fact that it uses the equivalent power usage of the entire country of Argentina to run the blockchain. You know, a little bit of a downside to to get to get basic functionality out of the blockchain. To get my JPEG. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some pretty interesting use cases. Like, say, you host your inventory for a video game on a blockchain, and then you go to a different game, and how do you how do you know that like you actually properly own this uh say say you have a shirt you log in. that you can like yeah say you have a shirt for your that you buy for your avatar in like vr chat you know right. and you want to wear that in like chill out and let's say this is like 10 years in the future they all have blockchain or whatever chill out just has to look at the blockchain and say oh this user you, know, you just provide your wallet address and it checks your wallet and says oh you own this shirt okay well we can load the shirt into chill out uh, and you're probably thinking, oh, it's a little bit of a lame use case. And that is, that is correct. That's the only good use case for NFTs that I've seen so far. Well, isn't that just a, a way to... Because you made a purchase for this t-shirt, this virtual t-shirt, which you then try and verify on this other account that you are the owner of the t-shirt. Well, if you have a receipt or you can just buy the t-shirt directly with money, then, then that, why do you need NFTs? Well, the, the NFT, like the point of it is to prove that you bought it. You know, it's like a receipt. It's used yeah. as a receipt in this case. But since it's being verified by the blockchain, every computer on the blockchain agrees that you bought that, then there's extra levels of trust to that instead of you just holding up a receipt and saying, I bought this. And you could have printed that receipt yourself if you owned a receipt printer. You know, so this is an extra level of verification. However, much like I can copy an NFT. <laughs> Yeah, you can copy an NFT anyways, but modern security exists, you know, account verification, this and that. It's not flawless, but it's better than nothing, and it works. We have Steam Inventory. Games like Tower Unite will use Steam Inventory, so when you buy something in Tower Unite, it authenticates with the Steam API, and then it will add it to your inventory on your Steam account. No blockchains needed. So, like, the only use case that I found for NFTs is an already solved problem by Steam. Yeah, and like many other platforms. Many, probably. many years ago. Yeah, that's that's kind of, there have been some recent NFT scams, people or people setting up a scam and then they get scammed setting up the <laughs> NFT scam by other people that join the project. It's, uh, it's, it's funny to watch. Or like celebrities that have bought 
because of the hype, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I bought this NFT and they go on like a talk show. Talk show. It's like, oh yeah, I got this, uh, this cool new NFT. It cost me like uh, half a million dollars. Like, oh wow, interesting, very interesting. What is this NFT thing? I was like, I don't fucking know, but I just bought it. <laughs> oh, look how cool I am. <laughs> It's just it's just this this era's collectible craze. You know, you remember Beanie Babies, you remember Cabbage, Cabbage Patch Kids, you remember Amiibos? You know, this is this generation's iteration of that. I mean like Pokemon cards. Yeah. Bring you know, oh, people here in the news like, oh, you can make a lot of money real quick with these NFT things and people, you know, they're like, what are NFTs? Well, I don't know, but I don't really care. I can make money with them. And they yeah, go sign up and then they lose money. It's called a pump and dump. Very, very interestingly, it was a pump and dump. You know, you hype up the price of something, you drive the price up, people buy, people buy, people buy, and then everybody who's in on the pump and dump, they all sell out all at once and the price tanks. So the, everyone puts in money and then a select few take out money and they end up making a profit. And then everybody else who didn't take out, who put in money, they have now lost that money yep. and it just gets circulated. But they're not going to tell you that. They're going to tell you everyone wins. Everyone makes money with this. And as you know just to get you to put in more money yeah pretty much it's fun stuff well the, then the question is how is that different from something like crypto that, it's not it's well that's that's i mean what i was talking about was really just crypto pump and dumps it applies to nfts but yeah it was well the, the, the only thing is that with an nft or as well as far as i know the nft is like like you said like a receipt like an ownership so you buy something this is your your receipt digital receipt well, it's used as one yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thing. But it, crypto it originally was literally just a token. It's just some data that you put on the blockchain. That's it. It's being used as a receipt. Yeah. But for crypto, or well, specifically cryptocurrencies, you can actually buy things with it. So it is a currency as you can do stuff with it. With an NFT, it's like, I own this thing. That's it. You can sell it, much like you can sell any item that you buy in the real world. But crypto is also used to buy generic things. You're not going to exchange it for money. Well, you can exchange it directly for money, but it... Wait, you can sell your crypto to someone who's trying to buy for it. Yeah, true. But the the idea behind it is to make it an actual currency so people put their money into this currency and then buy things with it. So there was at some point, I think they took that down, I'm not sure, where uh, you could buy a Tesla using cryptocurrencies. I think I remember that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they took that down. I think at some point it was like Do- Dogecoins or like Bitcoins, you could buy uh, a-, a car. That's that's funny that you mentioned that. I forgot about the whole Dogecoin thing with uh, with Tesla. Oh no, you still have some in your wallet. Time to sell. <laughs> I I think I I think I still have like a few thousand Dogecoin. It's probably worth like eighty cents right now. Um, oh boy, maybe some of the listeners will be willing to buy this <laughs> time to hype it up guys yeah if, buy, you, wanna, if you wanna buy, buy my dogecoins Doge off me i'll sell it to you for 80 bucks canadian um <laughs> just like two dollars but you, you reminded yes. me because we we're just talking about pump and dumps and you bring up tesla i just oh, yeah. I, I just <laughs> i think i know what you're gonna talk about. The, one of the biggest you know pros that people mention about bitcoin is oh no one person can manage the cost of it you know uh, we don't we don't know what the federal reserve is doing with the u.s dollar they could be just tweaking the dollar cost however but somebody who knows more about currencies probably feeding right now but whatever um mm-hmm. the idea with bitcoin is oh not one person controls it because it's a network and the network has to agree collectively and the only way to modify it in your favor is to take over more than 50 percent of the network yeah, it's decentralized. 
So, so everyone, it's, it's, oh, it's inherently secure because it's decentralized, right? No one person can control it. Until. And then Elon Musk makes a tweet about Dogecoin. He actually made a few tweets about Dogecoin and people started getting hyped up about Dogecoin and the price of Dogecoin shot up through the roof. There's a whole lot of Dogecoin to the moon getting spread around. And then one day Tesla sells out all of his Dogecoin, makes a shit ton of money and the price tanks and it never recovered. And I don't recall if uh, Musk or Tesla or anyone ever talked about Dogecoin ever again. Yeah, that kind of died after that. But he he pulled a pump and dump. <laughs> it was is yep. hilarious. Well, not for anyone who lost their college funds and trying to <laughs> buy Dogecoin, but L to them. For Why would they put in... their college funds to buy this funny money? Oh my god! <laughs> it's Dogecoin. It's got the Doge, the meme it, dog, the on meme it. money. If you put your college fund into a picture of a goddamn meme dog, I, I can't. I. You so how did, how, how did you acquire this, this Dogecoin's missing? <laughs> did you put your college funds in? <laughs> no, I put like, uh, I, don't, I don't even remember. Because uh, I think I traded like Bitcoin for it or something. Um, and then the price shot up and I was like, ah, Elon's tweeting again. So I sold off and made a quick buck and then that was it. And I just didn't touch it again. You were part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, you're on the good Listen, side of the... I, so. I saw a lot of people losing money into Dogecoin. I was like, hmm, what if I what if I didn't do any of the things they were doing and I made a decent amount of money? Yeah, you're just winning over someone else's back, basically. All those all those people who uh, put their college funds into a fake money. Yeah, I wonder. There, this probably exists. Like, just make a cryptocurrency. It's called Monopoly money. Like, no one's going to buy this, right? <laughs> they they probably they probably have. They've they've got Potcoin. <laughs> Uh, they've got Dogecoin. They've got Shiba Coin now, which is supposed. I, I I think they named it that to, you know, piggyback off the hype of Dogecoin. Uh, but nobody cares. It's it's ridiculous. Dogecoin was invented as a joke. Like it, they literally copy pasted the source the source code for Bitcoin and then slapped the funny meme dog on it. Uh, it was a commentary actually on how anyone can just make any stupid shitty little coin and make money and. Yep. That and so so they made that you know to point out how stupid it was, and it became one of the top altcoins uh, to exist. There's actually a, there's a period where these NFTs and cryptos became so in the news that even like my brother and my mom started talking about these things, and my mom like <laughs> legitimately was like, "Okay, scope, listen." I've I've heard about these cryptos things. People can just make a coin out of nowhere, give it a value, and then sell it. It's like you can make a lot of money off of these things. You should help me make a cryptocurrency. I'm like, no, mom, I'm not gonna help you set up like a fuck Ponzi scheme. Uh, you could do it yourself. Like it's probably you could. There's probably some yeah, fucking I've, Indian I've guy seen... YouTube tutorial on how to set up a <laughs> cryptocurrency. How to make I've infinite seen... money. Uh, I've seen people try to make their own little like NFT collections because it's it's mostly kids because they don't see the like Ponzi scheme aspect of it. They only see the, the fun aspect. The, the the oh, you could just make your own collectibles and then sell them to people and make a lot of money. So they would try to make their own NFT collections and then realize very quickly that you need a lot of networking skills to actually get your NFT out there to get people to buy it you need to get hype it up and this and that it's it takes a lot of effort yeah my my mom just talked about the oh i need to come up with the logo and the name it's like that's that's not the most important thing like yes it's important for marketing 
but you're not going to spend a lot of the time, you know, trying to make that. In hindsight, too, knowing that NFTs died pretty quickly, you know, NFT sales are at an all-time low every passing month. <laughs> um, so, well, how do you know that? Is there like an NFT marketplace? There's a few. The popular one, I think, is OpenSea, and you can. I'm pretty sure you can just check like trading volumes on there. But mm. the the cool and fun part about the blockchain and it being a distributed ledger is that it's also public. So anyone can just go on the blockchain and just look at every transaction that has ever happened, which means you have live real-time statistics of how many NFTs are getting traded around. So you can just see exactly how low it's stooped in the last two years, even not even like one year. Yeah, that's what I've seen in some of these scandals where some of the creators will just forge or like they put in their own money in this coin. So they they introduce a coin, they put it on the market silently, they don't tell anyone. They then buy up this coin when it's very low volume uh, or very very low um, value. Yes. And or they get or they get a friend to buy it. Yeah, exactly. But they try and to make it a bit more. Uh, or less suspicious so they don't buy like a million in one transaction they'll like spread it around in like multiple transactions to make it seem a bit more legitimate but yeah like you said people can just go back and it's like oh when is coin created oh this time oh who uh what's the first couple transactions oh they all go to this, to this one wallet oh that's not suspicious at all I was actually I was actually gonna mention that earlier. I kind of forgot, but yeah every transaction on the Bitcoin every transaction on the blockchain is public. So people tend to abuse that sometimes and they will ask their friends, you know, they'll take out a bank loan, they'll give $1,000 to Jim, $1,000 to Bobby, $1,000 to Kimmy, whatever, and then say, all right, buy these NFTs from me, I'll pay you back. And they buy them. That way there are transactions on the blockchain so that if somebody looks back and you post your NFT and somebody looks back and tries to see if it's legit, they'll see transactions and they'll think, oh, that's legit. And then you sell them, you make your profit, you pay back your friends and you walk away with like much more money than and since you take out a bank loan you just pay back your bank so you don't spend any of your own money doing it it's it's ridiculous but it's it's a classic really old scheme that people have just repurposed for nfts yeah but there's even these well allegedly because i, I don't have the um, the knowledge about this but there are bots as far as i know that just look at yeah, the crypto you... market and it's like oh this new coin was created and then they just buy a couple of these coins because if it actually takes off at some point then they could just say like, okay if it passes 0 0.0005 and i'm gonna buy it at 0001 then i'm just gonna have the bot automate the, the selling and sell on the market that's not even an advanced thing that's just built into most exchanges now you just set up an auto trade yeah exactly but well also looking at the new coins yeah not just a specific coin and oh, yeah. some of these scams will actually you know, get noticed by this and then get finessed by their own uh, <laughs> their own scam because this bot will just buy up a bunch of the coins and then sell it uh, themselves, then tanking the price and getting away with <laughs> with some of the money. It's like, man, we got scammed out of our own scam. It's like, yep, yep. Like it's a whole market <laughs> trying to scam each other. Multi-level scamming. Yep. That's that's hilarious. That's really good. Yep. But you know what is not a scam. <laughs> To, to change to change around the top because I feel like we could talk yeah, about this for hours. We've we've been here for like literally an hour. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So uh, one thing that's kind of, well not really related. It's an online thing as well. It's open and it has been taking off for quite a bit. But I feel like this is going to be bigger in the future as well. 
it's this thing called chat gpt oh um, boy. <laughs> i'm sure you've known or heard about it i've i've been using it very extensively in the I last have, couple of weeks i have found a use case for it which is i didn't know it could do this but it makes sense that it could um so to, to preface so maybe well maybe you explain what chat gpt is more or less, it's the culmination of the past uh, couple decades of work uh, in machine learning, uh, where they've just been iterating to the point where they they take like uh, let, let, let me yeah I want to try to like not go on for three hours explaining all of machine learning because it gets pretty <laughs> it's your grandma but, listening. She was already yeah. falling asleep at the crypto part, man. <laughs> Basically. Uh, they take an AI, which is a magic machine that takes an input and tries to figure out what the output should be. And then they say, okay, the input should be a question and the output should be an answer. And then they uh, run, they send that off to Amazon Web Services, run that on like a thousand GPUs or whatever for like months at a time. And eventually after all of that processing and a few Training. billion dollars in amazon web service fees you <laughs> get a usable product where you can actually ask it a question and with a reasonably okay margin of error can give you a good enough answer it's, it's pretty neat so what i've used this for actually and i i didn't really see use case i've seen people in academics trying to be like oh write a 500 word essay on uh, this topic saying these things and then it just does that in like three seconds so that's kind of being abused right now by by scholars which is funny because the the same technology company that's behind uh, chat gpt i think it's OpenAI. They are yep. trying to make now a model that is able to detect the, if the text that was created is from this model. <laughs> so trying to find out if people are scamming the system or cheating the system by using this chatbot, basically, to make work for them. I figured someone's going to do that once they released Dolly, which is the image generation AI. They were making images that were so lifelike that people couldn't tell that it was generated by an AI anymore. So I thought, well, when are they going to make an AI that just detects when it's made by an AI? And I guess they it's, did that in a way just for the text AI. It's going really fucking, because that was like one of the other topics. I'm not going to dive into it because it's going to take forever to, to cover all these topics. But it's related, yeah, where um, at this moment in time, so basically when the podcast is recorded, the amount of AI models and things coming out is going extraordinarily fast like scarily fast where people would be like no no no, i'm gonna be an artist i'm gonna follow art school because i can just make this art and there's no computers can't be creative they can't make these images it's impossible and then there's now a thing you just type in a bunch of tags a bunch <laughs> of words and the computer will just make the image based on a bunch of other images it finds it can make a very highly realistic uh, half-assed image not to dig on any specific artists I'm not going to name names or point fingers but there are some people who have perfected a art style and never got good at art you know so you've got like mm -hmm. anime girls that are that are super highly detailed but then their faces look stupid and their proportions are all off uh, and that's that's kind of what like every AI art generator looks like to me you know it's somebody who learned how to draw but never properly learned art <laughs> that's that's you know, and it makes sense because it's a computer, you know, the computer doesn't know what art is. It knows what lines are. It knows what shadows are. It knows what values and contrast are. And it knows that a 
picture typically contains these values of contrasts and shading and edges and then this and that. But it doesn't know what combination of those makes a good image. Well, you're talking about things like uh, anatomy, right? Uh, not even that. Just like artistic, the artistic value of an image. There are, you know, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I, I have to say, I've, I have seen some stuff, man. I've seen stuff made by this AI where I'm questioning like, oh, fuck. There are even like a lot of websites where they post anime pictures. They will have a tag just so you know, like, hey, watch <laughs> out. This image was made <laughs> using an AI. But I could very much see where you could just upload because usually I think it's just a couple of people that are allowed to upload on these websites, these repositories, where if you didn't know, and you forgot to tag it, then yeah. we are fucked. If we don't tag well, these images that they are AI generated, then at some point it's gonna run amok, and then we don't know anymore. Yeah, at first, at first glance, it's hard to tell. Um, I mean, there, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of popular ones that people use, uh, like Image to Image or Midjourney or whatever, and they all have very similar art styles. It's very easy to tell. They have one art style per AI. Uh, Dolly, you can have it give any art style but then it's still like a bucket you see something with a painterly style and you're like oh somebody probably typed that into dolly and typed painterly style in the prompt mm -hmm. you know so it's, i don't know usually you can tell i mean getting back to the other thing i was, I was gonna mention the computer doesn't know what art is it just knows what a good picture looks like so we'll try to replicate that but the part where people make post good ai art like the one that won a competition is the part where people have well, to sift through all, yeah, there was there was an art competition. Somebody submitted an AI art on piece <laughs> instead of like actually drawing one, and it oh, won. No, and everyone was mad. Oh my god, Jesus! But but you what's you'll it, see you'll see stuff like that. Uh, I don't remember. You can probably Google it. Like AI wins art competition. That piece was handpicked from probably like a million generations uh, that the guy made with that oh, yeah. AI. You know, a million different prompts that they had to sit there and tweak and this and that. So the AI doesn't know what art is, but people do. So if you generate like 80 images, you sift through all of them and you pick the best one. And te technically, you picked the one that is artistic, most artistic out of those, but there's still a human aspect to it. I don't know. The, the debate about AI generated art stuff goes very deep into a lot of very morally gray uh areas you know yeah, what like, like what do you define as art yeah there's copyright you know there's ais that are trained on copyright that was taken without consent this is a lot but even like at the very surface level what do you even define as art yep. uh because you kind of have to solve that first you know this is because a person could actually you know say they t create their own ai and then train it themselves and then generate a picture technically you could call that art. They didn't just take somebody else's picture and then run some equations on it and then spit out another picture. We go back to the whole thing of like the art money laundering thing. It's like, yeah, there's people that will value the art for you. Like they'll give it a number. It's like, okay, this is worth this amount for me. And this is the same for if you look up a picture online, it's like, oh, this is a nice looking picture. You You give it some, well, not monetary value, but some... I guess some props or some intrinsic art, artistic yeah. value or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's all based on yeah, our, our human spirit.
on what we think. If a, if a UI, if a UI, if a AI will generate an image, then it can look shit to us. But the AI may think it's, oh, this is a very good image. No, we are the ones to determine if it's good or not. And then we are the ones. Yeah, it could be, it could be a logistically good image. You know, it could have good shading. It could have very yeah. uh, detailed good lighting, techniques or just like a certain artists. <laughs> um, but then the actual picture itself looks like shit, you know? Yeah. Well, my, my main thing with this whole argument, since it's one point I would like to make about um, the whole AI generated art thing is a lot of the discussion goes directly to um, the model and the images being used and the artist that didn't give any consent on their images being used to feed this model to generate these images. And then they talk about money. And mm -hmm. I think it's kind of sad how the debate gets immediately hijacked by monetary value, by greed, basically. Because... I've made art myself, like I've done like vector art, I've done some wallpapers where I make the backgrounds, which did require some skill to do that, to formulate all these things together. And I, I'd never made any art for money, for monetary reasons. I always made art because I like doing it, it's fun, and I like the end result. And in most cases, for example, wallpapers, I would use the end result. I would look at it for a long time. And... That's kind of the thing that gets lost in this whole discussion where people do not take into account like, yeah, there's, there's even if, let's say AI is going to take over and that's the way we generate images now. So if you just put in a bunch of tags and then you get the image you want, you pick it out or whatever. There's still going to be artists. Why? Not because of monetary reasons, but because of a hobby, because fun, because people would like to, people to make like these art. Things. Yeah, people like core art is human expression in exactly. a very distilled form. People are still going to make art because people like making art. Yeah, and then people are going to appreciate the time and effort that gets put into these kind of activities. And then they'll maybe value those things higher, maybe on a monetary scale or an artistic scale uh, in the future. It's the same thing with um, if you look at watches that are being made. Like a lot of these watches are... Uh, made by machines and they give a certain value but there are certain watches or watchmakers that will make their watches by hand there's some guy that has followed this these principles for like a, like 10 to 20 years has perfected his own craft and the way of like tapering off a certain metal uh, band or whatever to get specific shapes and, and motifs in um, a metal or whatever People will pay more just for the fact that they know that the person that created the thing was like an actual human being and not a machine. Like there's actual human hands making this and that's what gives it more value, or at least in the perspective of the buyer, gives it more value than something that was just made by a machine. And I think art like this will not be any different. Yeah, there's that and, you know, people who become very successful artists a lot of them become successful from a certain style they they mm -hmm. pioneer or they they like like there's there's a ton of artists but there's only one picasso yeah you know yeah but there's people that try and make picasso like paintings but you could never say that's made by picasso yeah i, you, well, I mean you could copy it but picasso was probably the first he wasn't the first to invent impressionism but he had his own thing you know he was picasso everyone knows picasso Mm -hmm. uh, he's the guy who made the funny faces, you know? 
Um, so they're either paying for it being made by a human or they're paying for a very unique style. You know, like restaurants don't sell food. They sell recipes. Uh, well, recipes, they do sell food, but there's a person actually assembling the food. Yeah, they physically sell you food. Like they, yeah. you hand them money and they hand you a plate of food. But realistically, what they're actually selling you is their recipes, their trademark recipes. You can only get the special uh, salad of whatever from your favorite restaurant. You can't just go to McDonald's and order that. Yeah, but well, the, <laughs> going into food, that would be diff- difficult to distinguish if a machine would make the exact same thing, exact recipe, follow the exact instructions. I mean, the machine could do that technically. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not like art because art is a very gray area where it's very subjective. I think food you could get well, very much to an obje- objective point. It, it could be similar in a way though too, right? You could get an you could get a machine to make a dish off a recipe in a very specific way. You could get an AI to make a picture off of a recipe for that, like instructions mm-hmm. to make that picture very specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess the tags are the recipe, yeah. Yeah, but then people will still pay more for the the, the novelty knowing, okay, there's an actual yeah. human that drew this, or an actual human that made this dish. So McDonald's is so cheap, they just throw everything in a grinder and spit it out on the patty? For the most part, yeah. That That is going to be the future of this technology, where it's going to be like art, or going to be like watchmaking, where it's just, it's going to, we're going to have a lot of AI making stuff and doing, uh, automating things for our life, and there's still going to be people that are going to be interested in the craft and the actual making of the thing with their own hands and we will be paying more for that yeah because not even 100 years ago everything was handmade and now you go into ikea you could probably count on one hand like how many things in that ikea are actually handmade all the furniture by the employees that had to set up all the decor well okay like like handmade from scratch like you cut down a tree and you saw it and mill it and uh, no, polish no, no it way. into a table that's that's rare people still do it yeah but then then you get into the um, oh, you get into the whole argument about like tools like people call these kind of ai things tools that someone just uses it's like using a chainsaw to cut down a tree is that less is that worth less than someone that uses a hatchet or like an axe to cut down a tree that's yeah that's that's another thing i wanted to bring up is using AI as a tool. I guess this also ties back into chat GPT that we were talking about like what, 20 minutes ago? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, does it make a difference if a carpenter cuts his tree with a handsaw or a chainsaw? Any any like kid could just go on the chat GPT and write an essay. Say like, write me an essay and it will spit one out. And that's, uh, you can just hand that in, no skill. But on the flip side, an experienced programmer can go into ChatGPT and say, say, say you're like not having a good day. You woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You forgot your morning coffee. And you're sitting there. You know, I don't want to think about uh, writing an example, like an HTTP request to this API or something. <laughs> yep. You know, I don't want to think about that. So you go to ChatGPT and you're like, I'm writing a program in JavaScript. I'm using these libraries and I want to write an uh, HTTP get to this URL. How do I do that? It would have spit it out. There's a 50-50 chance it'll be wrong, but you're an experienced programmer reading this. You'll know, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. You just paste it into Visual Studio, you correct what's wrong, and that's it. You would have to already be an experienced programmer to know, you know, what's wrong. You have to curate the end result, yeah. Yeah, so so you're not just using it as a cheap cop-out 
to just write programs for you. You're using it as a tool to take the mental load off, uh, similar to how you would use a calculator when you don't want to do mental math. You know, calculators are not cheating. They allow calculators in exams now in, in college and university. What if they um, used the chat GPT and allowed it as a tool to be used at exams? <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, I want to see if that happens in 10 years. That would be probably some fucking advanced shit exam, my dude. Honestly, my, my brother is in high school right now and his teacher, one of his teachers brought up using chat GPT, showed it to the class, showed everyone what it did. So this is chat GPT, this is what you do with it. Don't write your essays with it. However, you can use it to help oh you. Don't put that out there. The class all knows about it. It's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, it's it's only been out publicly for less than a year, and they're already trying to implement it in schools because it's so useful. So one of the use cases that I used it for, and I I didn't know if it could do this. I was like, I'm just going to put it in see, see see what it does, right? So a couple of my friends wanted to play a D&D session, and they're like, okay, you have to, they're going to do a one-off. Uh, you're gonna have to make a character level five. I'm like, oh man, making a character. I, I've done it before on like paper, and I like, going through the book, or, like through the the manuals. Like, oh, you have to get these spells, these uh, stats, bonuses, whatever. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna generate a D and D character. <laughs> you know what? I'll just ask Chat GPT, yo, generate me a level five, random level five character, and then it just spits out. Uh, the level, the stats, the, the equipment, the backstory, the lore, the everything. And like, holy shit, dude. And it did that's in like hilarious. a couple seconds. I'm like, oh, that's that's really fucking neat. And then you could just say like, oh yeah, I want to change, for example, the race. I want to have a specific race or change the race to this or change the backstory to include whatever. Change the black the backstory to include NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so the... Um, it's 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 very interesting that the, the technology and it can be very useful. It's my favorite thing is just probing at it, seeing what it can't do and what it can do. Oh, can you can you program me this thing? Yes. Okay. Can you explain to me why? I, I asked it a trick question on in electronics. I said if you wrap a wire around the Earth, connected to a light bulb and a switch, and you turn the switch on, how long does it take? And it said, oh, it would probably take a really long time because it has to go all the way around the Earth, right? I'm like that's that's wrong. <laughs> switches right next to the bulb but whatever the amount of stuff it can do compared to the amount of stuff it can't do is it's honestly ridiculous it's baffling how far we've come like in such a but well, it seems like a very short time like i said in the beginning where we got in these ais but they have been in in the you know in the oven for quite a bit before yeah just not in the public like i've been following machine learning for quite a while now and even like being there, seeing how it's grown, you know, I've, I've done a couple of machine learning experience uh, myself too, and I still can't believe how fast it's grown. You know, it makes sense. You know, if somebody makes something and they think it's cool and they publish it on the internet and then other people are like, oh, it's cool. And they take it and they iterate on it and they make it better and they publish it and then someone else takes it and that's, you know, how open source works. But, yep. but it's still ridiculous how fast it is, even if you're fully aware of it, seeing it happen in front of you. Yeah, I've done some data science courses in college uh, to make some of your own, like your own model uh, using some basic data, like very basic data science-y things. I feel like if you are following a data science bachelor right now that's like specialized on that, you can probably throw away all your fucking material like right now out of the window because <laughs> this shit just, just changed the game. Like, it changed the game. It's it's all uh, sort of outdated. Yep, pretty much. Or it's very basic compared to the technology we have now. It's like trying to trying to ride a horse. Like you know, there's <laughs> there's a there's a 
course to be like a taxi driver but instead of driving an actual car you're you're driving still like wagon and a horse and trying to transfer people with that that's what you're learning right now in school and then you go into the real world it's like yeah we have these uh, you know electric almost self-driving cars now what have you been doing it's like fuck man <laughs> i mean there is there's a little bit of merit to learning how it works on the lower end you know what a tensor is uh what what a matrix is you know this and that and just to help you understand better what yeah, you're yeah, doing. The, the but basics, yeah. you'd actually but you don't need to you know it's all abstracted by now uh, it's like how nobody knows how Windows works. We all just use it. It changes with each iteration, and I fucking hate it. I wonder if I wonder if there's a statistic, a statistic somewhere to like how many people have gone to Windows 11, how many people have crossed over to the dark side or the light mode side. I guess. It, well, no, it has dark mode now. <laughs> well, since 10, actually. But you know yeah. what happened to 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 me? As well, we're going off a way of fucking tension. But on the. Um, <laughs> On of, yeah, on the topic of Windows 11, I've had one time, I was working at home on my laptop and I was going to make dinner. So I had my laptop on running, you know, didn't do anything. Big I just mistake. walked away. Big mistake with Windows. I, I walked away. I went to get, you know, make some dinner. I got done making dinner. I got back to my laptop. And the, the second I like, you know, like woke it up, I'm like, wait, this, this shit looks different. What happened? And then it's like, welcome to Windows 11. I'm like, what the fuck? It was just running. I had like work open and shit. <laughs> Luckily, Welcome I saved it. Welcome to Windows 11. You agreed to this, but you installed the OS. Yeah, you were away for like 30 minutes. Like, too bad, sir. You now have the new experience. I'm like, oh, no. Big, big mistake. I used to... I used to work at a computer shop and a lot of the computers we got... It was right around when the Windows 10 anniversary came out. So a lot of the computers we got in... They would bring us a laptop and they'd say, I left this on my table overnight and I came back and it was doing an update and it just never worked since. Oh my God. And and we would have to just like, we had Windows anniversary on a flash drive. So we just have to flash it to them and then do the back to them. All like tons of laptops came in like that. Damn. Okay. No, I, I, I thought it was a very few people that had, I, because I have a Surface Book. Surface Book 2. So I was like, okay, Microsoft product, it automatically updates the thing because, you know, Microsoft like, kind of makes sense. My desktop doesn't do that, but I've probably set it up a different way. They toned it down big time since because so many people were complaining to Windows that they would wake up and their computers wouldn't work at all. <laughs> it would be stuck in the update. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine just especially, having your grandparents? Yeah, especially with like old people laptops, you know, they... They buy some two hundred dollar shit book off of out of Walmart, and then you know the max disk speed is like snail's pace. So it takes three days to install the update over Wi-Fi. It's like, hey son, I'm trying to to get these these cool cryptos and use this 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 chat the Jupiter to 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 make the memes, but uh. Uh, it actually just says updating for like three hours now. What happened? It's like, well, Grandpa. That's my goddamn computer not working. Just throws it out the window. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, but Dora, you, you agreed to this when you, read, when you didn't read the terms and conditions. It's, it's, our technology has been abstracted to such a fucking insane level that people don't know how to use, for example, the basics of Windows or like their operating system. So they can't even fucking get to the, the, the browser to, to open the thing to go to the website because these other things are just getting well more abstracted, more obscure. Like they change all the time. People have to keep up with the times. 
it's uh, it's insane. Like I work in IT, but if people are like, yo, I need to print this, and everyone's like, oh no, he needs to print something uh, that's gonna <laughs> cause problems. Like, yep, like some basic task, like printing some some paper is, uh, is, is, is just something that people don't know how to do. I think that might be something specific to printers though, because- Well, yeah, yeah. I'm taking a bad it, example, but yeah. you know what I mean. Printers, like, I, I swear there's like a conspiracy between all printer manufacturers where they just get together and say, okay, okay, team, how do we make this year's iteration of printers worse than the last year's? We require a mandatory app install before you can use the printer. <sighs> The printer we have is one of those weird Wi-Fi printers. So it's like, you know, it'll randomly turn on the night. You know, it has its own Wi-Fi network. Anyone can connect to it. Anyone down the street. It's, I don't understand why. Uh, if you actually want to, like, plug in a computer and print to it, good luck. <laughs> we tried for, like, an hour trying to print off a laptop and then trying to print off a USB and then trying to print off a different laptop. It's, it's hell. Printers are hell. Yeah, I've been there. Where the, the Wi-Fi connection is easier to set up than just tuned by cable because you've installed drivers and shit although now with the new windows 11 that shouldn't be a problem anymore ah uh, no, yeah you, you you fucking put a printer like in your house anywhere and connect it into the wi-fi and windows is like oh let me download the driver for that it's yeah, like exactly. wait a minute i didn't i don't want to download a random i plugged in a razor keyboard one day and it installed the razor like control center like the full not just oh, the driver, yeah. like the whole gamer keyboard software is like, hey, welcome to the setup wizard. I'm like, I did not tell Windows to download this, except I yep. did because I agreed to the terms and conditions when I installed Windows. It's like, would you like to also install additional products and services through a Windows update? It's like, that's I, the checkbox. I know there's an option to turn off automatic driver updates, but I keep it on because it's convenient. <laughs> I remember I had to fix an issue on a laptop where every one second the display would freeze and it was not lag. It was exactly like every 60th frame, it would freeze for a little bit. I thought that was odd. So I did a little bit of Googling and I found out it was the most recent AMD driver. You have to uninstall it, install a specific version, uh, and then dig deep into Windows settings and shut off the little feature that auto downloads the newest driver updates which is like simultaneously the most useful and the most painful feature that they have ever put in windows well the, this is an easy way to fix this right like if you install windows you just have a prompt that says hey how knowledgeable are you with computers or windows specifically are you a power user or a normal user and if you say power user it's gonna like either give you these options in the setup or just say like okay you're a power user so you're gonna have to do these things yourself or know how to, these things work so we're just gonna disable these you know baby settings basically you have training wheel settings and you have uh without the training wheels i think some distress of linux might have that oh linux in general <laughs> linux, linux is just good in engine like everything except for being user friendly but yeah. they're working on that the, the year of the Linux desktop, it's going to happen at some point. The, I mean, based on what we've seen on a Steam Deck, it looks promising. Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to paint it up. It's like, we have the Steam Deck, so. I think we've uh, we've talked uh, enough of these topics. We've gone a bunch on a bunch of tangents, and uh, yeah, it went kind of all over the place. I'm hoping there's nothing I left out, because it's a bit too late to go back. 
yeah. we, we covered yeah. a lot even if there's stuff we missed we covered a lot yeah we covered a lot of ground i think so um yeah i would advise every one of you to link this podcast to your um your grandfathers or just your, your parents and then um give them a little um essay to write on the these topics and then hopefully if they caught up with their topic they would just go to chat gpt and ask yep. it to write an essay about exactly these topics and uh yeah link link this podcast to any old people that are asking about nfts to blockchain so that they can hear my half-ass explanation and still have more questions than <laughs> what they started off with yep basically to summarize nfts are a scam crypto mostly a scam can be used to buy things sometimes uh, chat gpt pretty fucking based uh i'm scared for the future uh ai generated images uh that's probably going to be the future and people are going to be mad regardless well well just just in general general <laughs> general conclusion people are going to be mad regardless whatever yeah. happens to them that's that's just humanity everyone's always yeah. mad yep yep we have and, uh, less problems than well maybe not maybe not right now but i mean we, we have less like the current decade has had less problems than uh the past 400 years that i that i know of of like recent human history yeah we have less actual problems so we have more fucking mundane shit to complain about because we have it so good yeah i think i i, I think that's just a, like a coping mechanism honestly like everyone's mad but if the power were to shut off like tomorrow people suddenly wouldn't care about what some random person said to them on twitter <laughs> Yep, pretty much, yeah. Suddenly, uh, that take pri takes priority. Perspective, yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's good. Maybe it's good to have a day in, in, in the year where every energy producer just decides, you know what, let's just, just not turn up to work. Let's just keep this switch off for the day for 24 hours and see, see what chaos unfolds that in the world. That would be devastating for a lot of servers. Is, uh, <laughs> that would be interesting to see, man. No, yeah, that'd be hilarious. That'd be fucking funny. Just oh, an your... it's like it's like the purge, but instead of the purge, it's kind of more like a touch grass day, you know, international go outside day. Or should, I should host an event in VR chat. Okay, this event <laughs> actually, I plan it for eight hours. These eight hours, you're just gonna go outside now. I'll give you some That's... activities. You have to take photos of things outside. You plan an event in VR chat that takes place exclusively outside of VR chat. Yes. <laughs> And and your house and your computer and all that. And your neighbor, your neighborhood. Yeah, that, would, that would be funny. Try not to die challenge. No internet for eight hours. Well, I sort of have already like real life challenges like that. It, it has not gotten to the point yet where I'll, because I've thought about this, like what if there's like a challenge where you have to go to your neighbor and like ask a thing or like, hey, can you hold this spoon? And then you take a photo of him holding the spoon or something. Like fucking random <laughs> like that. But that could cause a lot of trouble. My 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 neighbor has like schizophrenia. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and not like the benign kind, like the kind where you terrorize your family members. Ooh, yeah. Probably not a good idea. Or like if you live in America and it's like in the middle of the night and your neighbor has a gun <laughs> under his pillow. It's probably not a good idea either. Well, if you're friends with your neighbors, you should be fine. Uh, yeah. If you're not friends with your neighbors, maybe then, pick a different neighbor. Yeah, he's not going to like you waking him up at like 4 a.m. or like 5 a.m. for me right now. 
almost. <laughs> All right. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyhow, so to to wrap things up, uh, I would like to thank our guest, Missing Missing No, for uh, being here. Hi, that's me. That's that's you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Do you have any closing words for the listeners? Um, let me think. Well, uh, obviously, stay safe. Uh, don't trade NFTs. And if you're professor asks you if you use chat gpt to write this program say no yes also this podcast has not been generated using chat gpt or any of these topics not yet (laughs) we'll get there actually i I should should... i should ask it for a list of interesting topics oh man ask it to like outline a a podcast episode for you see what it gives Uh, it's can i can upload my these audio files and just let it edit it (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe someday. Maybe one day. The yeah. next version of Audition. Oh, yeah. That's, that's going to come. It already has some AI features, actually, like taking away reverb and shit. Yeah, like the new, the new AI stuff in Photoshop is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's already taken over, man. Anywho, uh, that was the <laughs> podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and sticking around. If you made it this far, please be aware that these episodes are coming out every two weeks at roughly the same time, every... Sunday, Monday, depending on your time zone. And I'd like to, again, thank the guest. And I want to say thank you to you all. Until next time. Bye. Peace out.